You're listening to Lies and Half-Truths, tales written and performed by A.P. Weber. In this episode, we continue the adventures of Halfkin brothers Ven and Darl. If you haven't listened to the previous five episodes in this series, go back and listen to them before continuing here. At the end of last episode, a tentative alliance was made between the brothers and the bounty hunter Adracia, even as Ven and Darl's relationship crumbled. But there's no turning back now. They must venture deeper into the Lost God's Perilous Temple. It's Cascade Rock, Part 6. As the pool drained, the vines retreated with it, staying ever below the waterline. A whirlpool formed as if the water were being pulled down by some invisible, subaquatic force. Before long, an empty well gaped where the pool had been. A narrow stone staircase, no longer concealed by the water vines, emerged along the interior wall of the well. Fully revealed now was the thick, linked chain that ran some forty feet from the bottom of the raft-turned-hanging platform to a graded floor far below. The gore and bloody viscera of their late enemies had been swept down with the water and vines like gutted and discarded fish. Shall we? Adracia said, towing the edge of the well. Fortune awaits. How about a dagger or something? Darl said, gesturing at Adracia's belt of weapons. In case more of those fishmen show up. How about you go first? Adracia scoffed then added with a sardonic smile, so I can watch your back. Careful. It'll be slippery. The moss lit their descent. Darl took the lead, Ben behind him, and Adracia in the rear. Ven palmed the face of the wall beside him and tried not to look down. His hands grazed figures carved in relief from the stone. The moss, strangely, did not grow upon these graven images. He focused on this artwork as he descended, studying it as intensely as he could to keep his mind off the drop to his other side. A narrative suggested itself to him. It must have captured his attention, slowing him down, because Adracia sighed impatiently behind him. Look, he tried to explain. These five figures, I think they're gods. In one segment of the engraving, two apparent females and three males sat on thrones, each with a ring radiating from her or his head. And then this dragon is not one of them, but he was at the beginning, maybe before them, I don't know. What's that? Adracia said interest taking hold of her voice. That's his, the dragon's, lair or something. A vault. 
Here he's transforming into a man. Now he's locking the vault. Five keys, five gods, one key for each. He gives them the keys. Now he's flying away into... Is that a setting sun or a rising sun he's flying into? I don't know. But here, this goddess becomes a spear or a harpoon. That'd be Raywin, he heard Darl say. And runes don't parse, you smug little prick. They neared the last bend in the stairwell. This god, then went on, ignoring his brother, the one with the gusts of wind. He's pointing his lightning at her. They're fighting. Does he want her key? The harpoon? And then, what's happening here? He could feel Adresha at his shoulder, studying the scene. Some sort of great beasts. A serpent and a winged... It's not a bird. Have they transformed? I don't think so. Look, this one came from her mouth. It's like a proxy battle. What happens next? But they had reached the bottom and nothing further of the tale could be read. The broken and torn bodies of the fishmen lay strewn about the floor. Their blood seeped into the grating and mingled with the standing water and swaying vines below. Older, fleshless bones lay with the recently fallen. Across the gory floor, they could see the outline of a stone door with a wheel set in the middle of it. They tiptoed around the fishmen and huddled in front of the door. I'll do it, Darl said, a melancholy note in his voice. Could be rigged with a trap, Adresia warned. He'll be fine, Ben murmured. Let him go first. Darl grasped the wheel and with some effort twisted it to the right. A deep sound of shifting metal rang from within the stone and the door opened inward. Wait, Ben said, stopping Darl as he was about to pull open the door. He brought out the map. It says to play the game of floating and sinking. Darl nodded. Adresia said, what's that mean? Ben shrugged, to which Adresia groaned in response. That map isn't much help, is it? On the other side of the door, they found themselves in a chamber larger than the one above and containing, at its center, the stairwell they had just exited. A high ceiling arched overhead. Before them, just a few feet away, stood a stone altar at the edge of yet another pool filled with water and choked with the same sinister weeds. Upon the altar sat three objects, a clay bowl, a carved wooden duck, and a simple water-smoothed stone. I hope that's not Raywin's idea of treasure, Darl said. Adresia stood near the pool and looked down. I don't think so, she said. We're in the antechamber. Down there, she pointed into the pool, is the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. The water, lit by the omnipresent moss, looked nearly twenty feet deep. A hint of something metallic gleamed in its depth. Darl cursed. 
If this game of floats floods us out, we're dead. The water's moving, Fen observed. Look, those shallow canals are feeding it. But the water doesn't rise, so it must be slowly draining off down in the sanctuary. The canals Ven referred to ran back behind them, around the stairwell they had arrived by. Striding along the shallow waterway, Adracia said, There must be a way to block the flow back here. The brothers followed her. On the other side of the stairwell, they found three tributaries, graded openings in the wall from which the water poured out. Above each tributary, a bowl sat in a small alcove, and above each alcove, a rune had been carved. Something about the rune struck Ven as familiar. He unfolded the map. Next to the inscription concerning the floating and sinking game, these runes had been listed. In common script, his mother's handwriting had scratched out each translation. Water, stone, waterfowl. Ven pointed at each and said the translations aloud. Well, there's a duck and a stone on the altar, Darl said. And we fill the bowl with water, said Ven. So what? Adracia mused aloud. We put the water there, the stone there, and the duck there, as indicated. Not sure how that will stop the water. This place is full of divine magic, Ben said. Maybe it will just happen. Well, let's get on with it, Darl said, and marched off to the altar to retrieve the items. Wait, Ben called, trotting after him. I think we should each take one of the items. Why? Darl already had the stone and the duck inside the bowl. I'll just do it. What if they need to be placed at the same time, Ben said. Darl balked at this. What? Now you're just overcomplicating it. It's not overcomplicated. There are three of us and three items. Why not try and do it at the same time? Why? Because this place is trying to kill us. No, it's not. I mean, that weed is. But this place is just a place. With magic, maybe even divine magic if you believe in that sort of thing. But don't overthink it. Ven stood rigid. Gods forbid I should use my brain just because you don't have one. All right, genius. Explain why placing these items at the same time is somehow safer than letting me do it. You always just rush into everything. You don't even try to think ahead. Shut up, Adresha cried. The both of you. Let's just do it Ven's way. Everyone takes one object and places it at the same time. Fine, Darl grunted. No, Ven said, crossing his arms. What now? Darl growled. You got your way! Ven addressed Adracia as if she were a schoolhouse teacher. He's not going to do it right. Adracia made an expression like she was searching the ceiling. He just said, fine. Yes, but then, when we get over there, he's going to do it wrong on purpose, just to try to make a point. You don't trust me? 
Darl said, sneering down at his brother. No, I don't trust you. That's why I'm done with you after this. Darl grabbed his brother by the shirt collar and pulled his face close to his own. You're done with me. I'm done with you. Let him go, Darl, Adracia said. There was a resigned breathiness in her words. Look at me. Adracia ran her fingers through her thick, tousled black hair. She gathered it up and twisted it atop her head. Darl dropped his hold on Ven's collar. Ven gaped at her. Your ears, he said, they're like mine. I keep them hidden, just like you. So, you're like me? She let her hair fall. No, stupid. I'm like both of you. I'm half-kin. But you work for Redway, Ben said. Why? Don't be so sanctimonious, Ven, Adracia said. So I wanted more from life than to drag a wagon from place to place swindling peasants. Is it so hard to imagine? Is it hard to imagine that your brother might want more? But you're right. We betrayed our fellow Hafkin, in that we were wrong. But now we have to trust each other. We have to. There may be a real fortune down there. And the only thing stopping us from getting it is this stupid argument. So what are you going to do? You can either trust me, trust your brother, or else march back up those stairs and return to your wagon empty-handed. It's up to you. Ben's eyes searched the ground. Fine, he said. I'll take the bowl. When Ben dipped it into the canal, the water ran into the bowl, cool and clear. He then stood before the rune that read water. Ready? Adracia said. Ready, said Darl. Ben looked at the receptacle in the alcove. Wait, do I pour it in or just put the bowl on it? Pour it in, Adracia said. Yeah, probably just pour it in, Darl agreed. Ready? Adracia asked again, but before anyone could answer, she counted. Three, two, one, now. Ben poured the water into the alcove's receptacle. Nothing happened. Some time later, Darl sat with his back against the wall, running his fingers through the bag of millet. It had gotten wet in the tussle with the fishmen. Do you think it's ruined? He said, I'm getting hungry. Adracia made no reply. She was watching Ven over by the alcoves. He had been placing the objects in the alcoves one at a time, in different orders. First the water, then the stone, then the duck. First the duck, then the stone, then the water. Do you boil it? Darl said. Is it like oatmeal? Now Ven was standing still in front of the center alcove. Just standing there, frowning. Darl placed a grain between his teeth and bit down. A clap echoed through the chamber. Of course, Ven cried. It's a game. You figured it out, Adracia called over to him. 
the game of floating and sinking. The duck floats on water, the water sinks the rock, and the rock... No, that doesn't make sense. Does a rock sink a bird? Adresha grinned. It does if you throw hard enough. Ben filled the bowl with water and stood in front of the rune that read stone. Wait, shouldn't we do it at the same time? Darl said, clamoring to his feet. No, you were right. That was a stupid idea. Ben said and poured out the bowl. The flow from under the alcove stopped. He leapt over to the water alcove and put the duck in. The water flow stopped. In the duck alcove, he placed the stone. Once more, the flow stopped. Darl looked on slack-jawed. How does it know? Divine magic, then grinned. It took an hour or so for the waters to recede, pulled down once again by an invisible force. Darl and Ben sat several feet apart on the edge of the emerging chamber. They did not speak. The water weeds slank away like chastised canine guardians. The stone figure of a woman standing tall and regal gradually revealed herself. She held a golden harpoon raised overhead, frozen in the midst of a strike. Her face was stoic, noble. Raywin, the goddess. She captured the gaze of the three halfkin and reduced each to silent awe. The first to break the silence was Darl. I think we can pry that golden spear from her hand. The other two looked at him, his blasphemy revealed in their expressions. I think that would be a very bad idea, Adresia said. Why? Darl shrugged his shoulders. That's the treasure. It's supposed to be a key or something, right? Like in the pictures in the stairwell. Don't touch it, Darl, Ven warned. Something bad will happen if you do. Fine. Darl said, pushing himself up and crossing to the stone steps that had emerged from the receding water. I think I see gold on the floor. Strewn across the graded floor of the sanctuary was a fortune in gold coins, precious stones, and all manner of riches. Offerings to the goddess, Darl grinned. Somehow I think she won't be missing them. It's like a wishing well. Ben said, hesitating on the steps. Adresia stood beside him. It's what we came for. Gather up the treasure, but no one touches that harpoon. Agreed? Darl dumped out the bag of millet and began scooping the loot willy-nilly into it. Ah, he lamented, peering down through the grated floor. Look how much that weed took with it down there. Maybe we should figure out a way to pry these bars open. Let's just gather what we can, Ben said. At least enough to pay off the magistrate in the lumber mill. What do you care? Darl said bitterly. I thought you were done with me. Ben knelt down and turned an ancient coin in his hand. It had the image of a tree on one side. How interesting, he thought. Not the stamp of a human coin. 
They like monuments and images of men's faces on their coins. He looked up at Raywin. Her stern wrath gazed down at him, but he did not fear her. After all, her features were not quite like that of a natural person. She was a woman, to be sure, only more so. Eyes bigger and keener, mouth fuller and sterner. In a way, she reminded him of his mother. Perhaps Raywin was a fae goddess. That would make her a halfkin deity, wouldn't it? This coin, Fen said, standing and striding over to the statue. I leave for you, my lady. And I thank you for your blessing. He placed the coin at Raywin's feet, then turned toward his brother. Andresia is right. We're halfkin. We need each other. At this, a tusky grin beamed on Darl's face. When their packs and pockets were full of as much treasure as they could reasonably carry, they mounted the stone steps out of the sanctuary. The heavy burden was a joyous one. Darl and Ven found themselves laughing at the strain of each step. But the landing above the sanctuary brought an unwelcome surprise. As they took the top step, three men strode out from the stairwell. They wore studded leather caps, and each had an elongated white incisor embroidered on his smock. At the sight of the halfkin, two of the men shouldered crossbows and trained them on the brothers. The individual between the crossbowmen commanded the halfkin's attention most, however. He stood almost as tall as Darl. His beard was long and full, save for a ribbon of bald scar tissue that divided the left side of his face. A naked blade hung from his right arm, fastened with leather straps and buckles to the stump of his wrist. He held up his left hand in a halting gesture, revealing a missing index finger. Ah, Lord Herath, Adracia said. We agreed you would wait for me at the boat. Thanks for listening to Lies and Half-Truths. This episode was written and performed by A.P. Weber and produced by Meg Weber. Our theme was provided by Josiah Martins. Original music by Weep Bar. Musical production help from McKinsey Stubbard. Consider liking, sharing, or reviewing this podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also support me, A.P. Weber, on Patreon. In any case, please join us again next time for more Lies and Half-Truths.